When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Namaste Motherfuckers, the only podcast where the worlds of work, comedy and well-being collide. The podcast where the life-changing stuff happens. I'm your host, Callie Beaton, and this episode is called Older, Wider and Wonderful. And today's theme is Grannies. Before we get started, all of us on the Namaste Motherfuckers production team, I say team, that's me, producer Mike Cookie, who brilliantly edits it, and Jeff the dog, uh, we all want to thank you, our lovely listeners, for taking the time to subscribe, rate, review, and recommend us. It massively helps us, and we salute you for it. Amen. And we also want to let you know some exciting news. We will be doing a special live recording of the podcast at London's Cheerful Earful podcast, what they did there cheerful earful um that's not until saturday the 4th of november but yesterday the ticket links all went live so we've put a link to that in the show notes and we will be doing that uh, recording with a very very special guest um yet to be announced right back to grannies the top five names for british grannies in order of popularity are nan at 33 percent grandma at 32 percent then Nana, then Nanny, and Granny comes in fifth place at only 14%. And you might wish to know that only one in 10 families in the UK use the term Gran. The world's youngest Granny is 23, coincidentally the same age as my daughter. Yikes. And talking of 23, Queen Victoria's great-great-great-grandmother gave birth to 23 children. Our most recent Queen Elizabeth was known, you might know this if you're a royalist, I'm not, so I have no clue, um, was known by the nickname Gary because when he was little, Prince William could not pronounce Granny. And an 81-year-old Norfolk Granny had tattoos which respectively said, do not resuscitate on her chest and PTO on her back. She's no longer with us. So I guess they worked. Okay, Callum, can you hear me? I've got it. Yes. Okay. That's today's guest, Jenny Eclair. Sir Isaac Newton compiled a list of 48 sins he had committed that included making pies on Sunday night and denying a crossbow to my mother and grandmother, though I knew of it. Saddam Hussein's bunker was designed by Carl Esser, whose granny, Anna, built Hitler's bunker. Christ, what a thing for your family to be experts in. Tom Cruise sent a hundred cakes to Louis Theroux's grandmother for her hundredth birthday. Not that Tom Cruise is weird or anything. I'd be calling the police if Tom Cruise sent me a hundred cakes. I mean, once I'd filmed the cakes, made sure it had gone viral um, on TikTok, then I would call the police. And finally, and you'll know this if you listened to the recent episode of the podcast with Lucy Cook, young orcas are much more likely to survive if they have a living grandmother. Um, the headphones are actually into the microphone. I don't think they go into the back of this speak of this computer. Jenny Eclair is an English comedian, novelist and actor, perhaps best known for her role in Grumpy Old Women. Her other TV appearances include Loose Women, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where she finished in third place behind Stacey Solomon and Sean Ryder, Celebrity Masterchef, and most recently as a contestant on Taskmaster. In 1995, she became the first female solo winner of the Edinburgh Fringe Perrier Comedy Award, and in 2001, she published the first of many novels, Camberwell Beauty. She and Judith Holder will be doing live shows of their older and wider podcast at the Leicester Square Theatre next month. This month's sold out, by the way, but we have put a link to next month's in the show notes. And she will also be resuming her hit 60 plus FFS tour. Jenny and I talked about crafting, life modelling, 
the 60s, eating disorders, HRT, becoming a gran, teeth, grumpy old women, taskmaster, and I'm a celebrity. But she started by telling me her thoughts on having her own namaste motherfucking moment. I don't have a, a namaste motherfucking moment. I've never had one of those life-defining, you know, that you must do this now. Something that's sort of gone into my head and, uh, and made me realise massive things. Never had one of those. I'm still waiting. Do you think it'll happen? I'm it's going to happen three. within I'm the think- next 50 minutes because it has to. Otherwise, we've got nothing on this podcast. So. All right. All right, then. Well, you just better kick off. And I'll just burble along with you. Don't you worry. I don't think we've ever had someone start the podcast saying, I've got nothing on your question at the end. So I've got nothing thanks for on your question. <laughs> and I don't give away any jokes. What I will share with your listeners is my decoupage wall behind me. You know, like you posted a picture of your house this morning on Twitter with the roses around the yes. door. Um, well, you see that um, the, my boiler door, my boiler cupboard door behind. Is that me. what that is? That beautiful. Hold on. So the beautiful flowers. Yeah, yeah. That's a sort of de- decoupage. Well, decoupage. Sorry, I've sort of like hijacked the show, and I'm talking about hobbies now. No, please. Was this it, is what we're we're, we're very much here thing. for it. Yeah. It was a Victorian thing where people sort of cut out things from uh, periodicals and magazines and stuck them beautifully down in scrapbooks and things like that. So it's where you decorate something with paper and glue. And um, like I a did collage. that during lockdown. Like a, a collage. fancy Victorian yes. cor- collage. Yeah, yes. But except there's no, there's no 3D-ness to it. It's, uh, it's just a flat. But it, yes, it's like a collage. And I do like collage work actually but we're not there yet go on ask me some questions well no we are there because i do you remember um this is go this goes back older than us because you and i were born in the same decade we're both babies of the 60s really i I was right at the beginning of 1960 i was actually 16th of march 1960 well i'm 17th of march 69 so you and i span that what a lovely way for the 60s to be bookended with jenny o'clair and callie beaton isn't that marvel do you know what i what a decade to be born in as well very proud to be and and it's also for me it makes it very easy to remember how old I am because my day my age tallies with the year so uh 2023 I'm 63 you see how it works I have to do I have to do actual maths and think about and then um, take away one and take away one and I also yes I get uh, my mum is 1940 and that helps me so I always can track back everyone's ages from my mum yes it's that's that's my mother was 1929 a bit like you it's a bit difficult it was a bit difficult why are your teeth so white what did you have done with them I just whitened them what with I've done. I've heard you talk about your teeth, Jenny, and I've got lots of. I, I'm I'm the messenger of hope for teeth because not that you need hope. You look beautiful. I do. I do. I'm the tortoise shell. Well, what did you, you do? Or calico, as they would call them in the if it was the American. Uh, so what you? I've well, I just whitened them. I had them straightened when I was pregnant with my second child. Yeah. So I wore train track braces. And I still wear night retainers. Uh, this isn't all included in my Tinder bio. This is just for you. Yeah. And then I've also had some bits of work done recently where, you know, when you get the receding gums. Yeah. They can do stuff where they do sort of white fillings that fill in some of the gaps and just smooth it out. And it doesn't look like your gums are showing. It's amazing. You can have gum grafts, you know. Well, this is much less invasive than that. And it right. just, they put on a sort of, it's not a cap. It's, so they're obviously my real teeth. They're not veneers, yes. but they just do a bit of work. If you need a name of a brilliant dentist who does those and she's brilliant and she just, right. it's just gentle and they put little, and it's and it stays for like 10 years. And it just but I've heard the whitening gummy. is quite painful. No, no. Did you I mean, do we, that? Did you have a mouth guard? Did you have to fill it yeah, with gum? Yeah, I, I do it with mouth guard and the bleachy stuff. No, okay. we've had children, haven't we? What's pain? We've yeah, we've I know, but menopause. I only had one because it, it smarted a bit, but it's very quick. Yeah. Um, well, it's like okay. that's much like the bleaching. It smarts a bit, but it's very quick. Okay, right. Well, I'll I'll bear that in mind because something's got to be done, really. Otherwise, I've been I'm I've started sort of doing things, trying to keep my mouth shut a bit more. Because 
because it's quite offensive, really. I'm looking at mine now, and I cannot believe how brown they are by comparison. Anyway. Aren't uh, we awful about ourselves, though, Jenny? Because when I look at you, I look at your hair, your lipstick, your va-va-voom, and I think, what a beauty. And then we look at ourselves, and we're like, oh, I don't like that bit of hair. And I notice my chin's gone a bit saggy. We just yeah. see the worst in ourselves. I haven't got and a then... jawline anymore. I lost that somewhere. I've got tips for that ago. as well. I've got tips for that. There's a very intensive ultrasound treatment you can have that gets your yeah, jawline. I've never had there. anything done. I'm very I'm very northern about things like that. I had a very northern mother, sort of like a no-nonsense mother who didn't and never had a manicure in her life. I've still never d- had my feet done. I've never had I don't my like getting my feet done. done. I'd never want to put my hooves in a bucket for some poor woman that's not getting paid. I've got lovely feet. I don't mind. Hands. And anyway, I can reach my own toes. So, you know, well, I want to do it myself. I do my own nails. I Oh, I like a shellac treatment. So I'm You've got to be that... careful with that, you know. Have you read the report? I oh, don't. I did just read that. Yeah, you've got to read that and you've got to stop having it done because oh, it can have pissing on my consequences. chips, aren't you? You're trying to yeah. take me back for having nice teeth by taking my nails yeah, away. Yeah, I'm sorry. Me. Your nails are over. Oh, are they're going to have to wear gloves. Yeah. Well, it I'm did say if that. you put UV, you had to do. Yes, I know. I, I did read that, and I thought I'm going to just think about that in a year. Should okay, I think about right, so it you're sooner? Gonna, you're, okay, you're, you're parking that for a year. You reckon you've got a year before that could become problematic? Well, I don't know anyone it's become problematic for, but I appreciate there were people talking about tobacco like that in the 60s, and I need to be a, a bit little careful. bit. Uh, yeah. Which was, you know, my mother had polio in the 1950s, and during her recovery. Um, the hospital encouraged her to take up smoking to give her something to do with her hands. Gosh! Instead, yeah. she could have been doing de- what's it called? Decou- de- decoupage. She could have decoupaged the ward. But instead, she was turning. She was doing an Ian Dury because he had polio, didn't he? And I yeah, bet he yeah. smoked after. Yeah. De- just going back to the more more charming subject of the decoupage. Do you remember those books that I think were more our sort of mum's generation, where they would have these scrapbooks and they would have those sort of pictures of little Victorian dolls? And, and yes, do you remember? yes. What I've was got, that? I've got some ponies in a drawer down here. I've got um, some ponies in a drawer. Are you Sort yes. of thing. Yes. Yes. Isn't that charming? So, what would you call that then? Well, I would call that something you could do scrapbooking with that. I mean, that for me is I haven't done anything with those yet. They were a gift. And <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I want might, to be you. This is I amazing. I might put those on a collage. I don't know yet. That's that is something that has yet to happen. But yeah, I, me and a little bit of craft. It's something you you won't be there yet, but. Mm, it'll be it'll be coming soon um hold on so you are nine years i'm 54 50 are you in the storm of the menopause i thought i wasn't and i was almost thinking i'm gonna have to pretend i still am because i get so many speaking engagements about the menopause i thought keep it on the down low if it's finished no and then last week i went into an existential menopausal abyss that's about as bad as anything i've had in 10 years and it was a proper chemical collapse and i so i don't think i am through it no i think i, I was getting a bit prematurely smug and okay no. are you on the hrt well i would be if i could bloody get it because there's a there's an hrt shortage at the moment i've got loads i've got loads under my bed it's like having sort of a safe full of jewels yes it is and also you if you ever need to make some money instead of a pension and you've got yeah, hrt yeah. patches <laughs> you're like a honest. drug baron i'm not on the patches i've got the easter gel stuff which you rub into it's a bit like sperm it takes you back a bit and um speak and for yourself pill. i'm still very much there for the whole thing all smearing are you there for the sperm yeah, on the smearings. side yes okay all hello mum and dad who'll be listening to this with the thursday lunch <laughs> why would they why so... would they um <laughs> but yes it's quite upset. don't upset yourselves turn it off there was now um then. last night i was at the royal festival hall i don't often do things as cultured as that but i was at a classical concert and that sounds the awful loo- the loos were all shut so people were fuming and there were so many menopausal women I thought, really, the mood here, it's a wonder a murder wasn't committed. The yeah. general mood was like you a cross between that. Jeremy Clarkson and Tony Soprano, and it was sinister yeah. and furious. Yeah. Absolutely. And I thought, you can't stop I'd have pissed. I, I would have pissed up against the wall somewhere. Yeah. I'd gone outside. And I mean, you know, the balconies would have been rivers of piss. But there was can't... a woman in a in a in a mauve fedora who I think did do that. I don't even yeah. think she got as far as in the, the fedora. Did she pee in her no, own fedora? She just, she just was, was not as inconspicuous as she might have liked as she peed <laughs> without much control because she was wearing a statement outfit. What were you saying? So, what was the concert? 
It was um, it was Brahms, Beethoven. Oh, and, Jesus, that yeah. sounds absolutely terrible. No, it was it was lovely. There's was a, it um, really? What do you do while you listen to music? You can't even sort of pretend to sing along with the words. There's nothing to do. There's nothing. I'd have to take some knitting or something. I'd have to take my tapestry. You could take, I you could, could not take tapestry. Sit there. I could not sit there listening to music. It could not do that. Because you, but you can sit and do decoupage. So you could sit still if you're doing with your hands. But you need to to bring a a sort of a craft tray. I'd have to bring out a sort of, you know, those jigsaw boards or something like that. And I'd have to have my glue pots and my bits and bobs. Yeah, I could not sit for more than um, 10 minutes. That should get you through the first movement of a Beethoven. And then you'd Uh, need to be up and out. And then my bowels would be, you know, equally moving. I could not, no, that that strikes horror to my heart. I can't even, I don't really like music. I don't really like music. It's not a terrible thing to say. No, it's not a terrible thing. You see, I've just read, my crafting is, um, my version of your crafting is I've rediscovered playing the piano recently. So I'm now playing the piano again for the first time in 40 years. Right, So that is my sort of... So you get a bit of inspiration. You're sort of like uh, comparing yourself at the Royal Festival Hall with whoever's on stage. No, I was watching the bloke, although the bloke playing the piano, I did think if you bumped into him in a pub and he was eating his planter's peanuts at the end of the bar and he said he was a concert pianist, he did not have the air of a... you You would look at the land lady and be like how long how yeah. many years has he been saying he's a concert yeah. pianist yeah he drives the number two bus but he was amazing so yes it was a lovely thing but I appreciate not for everybody and yeah. so you're but you are very you were a life model weren't you in Camberwell yeah 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 I still live in Camberwell I mean there are but yeah, do you keep we'll, your tits in nowadays rather than times I get one out now, yeah just nice. a good one uh, you know, there's, always, there's always one good one isn't there um yeah, yeah, still got quite... I don't think I've got either good one now mine are both hanging on for dear life but that's another no, story. no I've Still, I've got nice feet and nice tits. That's what I've got going for me. That could um, be your next tour name. Nice feet and nice, <laughs> nice tits. Nice feet and nice tits. But yeah. Forget about the middle bit. I'd go to uh, that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yes, I, and I'm, and this house I'm sitting in is sort of like, you know, less than a mile from Camberwell Art School. I mean, there probably are neighbours who went to art school who've got, you know, my picture in the attic, the, you know, but sort of backwards from uh, the Dorian Gray one. You know, they've got pictures of me being very young. Um, <laughs> it was just a lazy thing, really. I've always been quite lazy. And I've liked sitting down or lying down. I didn't like the standing poses. But back then I was very anorexic. So they didn't really ask me to stand in case I fell over because I was obviously sort of nutritionally starved. So, so were you I- actually full official I mean I say official you don't need a certificate to know that you've got an eating disorder because in those days well, no one was supporting us with eating disorders were they everyone was just out uh, with them yeah yeah um yes I did you which one did you have well I did never I don't think I ever officially would have got a diagnosis but I it was the bulimia end so I would eat and make myself sick which I believe is bulimia but but it never yeah, I, it, yeah. it didn't. That's what uh, that's I dabbled. Anorexia used to call the cheating. The cheating. Yeah, I was one. a cheater, and I didn't yeah. really commit to it. That was you having your cake and puking it. Well, we go. just didn't have the <laughs> Which cake. Which is another you know. good show title. <laughs> um, but I no, I didn't. I didn't fully commit, but I did in my tea. I was very, very overweight as a child, and then in my twenties, I was very overweight. I lost four stone in my twenties. Not through bulimia or through Weight Watchers, actually. And and I've sort of tried to keep it off ever since. But I've definitely. I think you know Jess Foster Q on her um, Hoovering podcast. I don't know if you've guessed it on that, but she yeah. doesn't think she's ever met a woman who hasn't had some very unhealthy relationship with food. No, I agree with her as well. I think she's great, by the way. I think that she's, she's a force brilliant. for good and she's yes. a very, very good live performer. Incredible. Uh, she can stay. Some of them have to, should go. Some of them should go. And she uh, should absolutely stay. She can and stay. her star should yeah. continue to rise. Now she's amazing. But her but the Hoovering podcast, which I love, is a real revelation. Like, so you actually did have an eating disorder as a Yeah, yeah, woman. yeah. In fact, I was looking for some old photos for um the Older and Wider podcast, which is the one I do with my mate Judith Holder. I've been on it. I show. loved it. I loved yeah, yeah. That was back it. that was yeah. pre-pandemic it when was we used when to we... do it in a studio. Just before the pandemic. It was one of yeah. the last blasts of me doing a podcast live with anyone. I loved with, it. In a in a tiny yeah. studio, yes. which would have been a sort of complete covid petri dish yes had anybody had it you know but we of, loved it in that petri dish together didn't it was we? we were always very i mean judith and i always had a good time but um so we're doing the the, the podcast i've got a little bit of cramp ah we're doing the podcast live now we were doing a tryout gig last night um i've completely lost the thread of this but um 
Yes, were we talking about eating disorders? Yes, yeah, anyway, eating disorders. Sort of I was going to ask menopausal woman what the thread is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm 63. I can't really use that excuse anymore, but no. I've been on HRT and they'll be taking it to like, you know, my Oh, they'll have to I'll take your feet first with it if I can keep oh, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I was looking for some photos for this, for a slideshow bit we're doing, and I did find my outpatient's uh, a ticket or something, or it's sort of like a... Uh, a date you know a sort of slip for my um withington hospital mental outpatients appointment back in uh oh it was manchester i think 20 uh i was 21 so 1981 so you'd like got that. as far as needing to be actually medically so someone a doctor or someone must have assessed you and gone you need to go and i need to be talked to i had talking therapy which was quite bad actually um i mean finding the right talking therapy i think is quite hard are you a therapy fan? I'm a I'm a fan in principle. I really genuinely am, and I think that you know there are the very very few of us get through life without having uh, periods where we genuinely need some help. Uh, I have I'm a catastrophist and uh, uh, have terrible terrible runaway anxiety. Absolutely. Have you always had that? Has that got worse with menopause and this life phase, or did you were you always so? I, I think I had a tendency towards it. Uh, but not, I, I, I was very fortunate in my early years. I mean, I had an eating disorder, so blah, 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 but I, I didn't have very much trauma. I think that the only trauma I had as a child was my brother got very ill. He had meningitis when he was four, and I was um, uh, I had to cancel my 11th birthday party. He's seven years younger, and he, he totally survived, and he's absolutely fine, but there was a week where it was very touch and go, and after that, I became very, very death phobic, very concerned about whether he lived through the night and, um, you know, started the, the creeping into his room to check he was breathing, which is something that as soon as I had my own daughter re-triggered. And, you know, I I, I think I'm, if she was living at home now, she's 34, I'd still be creeping in in the middle of the night. And she'd be putting uh, extra locks on the door going, Jesus. Well, man, she'd just... probably be in her bed with a bloke you know <laughs> and I'd be creeping in and he'd wake up and I'd be there standing over them with <laughs> and there'd mirror. be lots of breathing that you wish you'd never encountered yeah absolutely it, it's funny you had that mirror <laughs> it's funny you had that well it's not funny yeah. haha but that you had that at 11 because my brother got a disease called osteomyelitis when he when I was 11 and he was 13 which until the year before would have been fatal and they just developed a surgery he was one of the first people to have it where they drained the bone marrow and could actually get the infection out otherwise people used to die in writhing agony with an infection in the bone marrow that just extended until you died. So I remember that same feeling at that same age of thinking, oh, that this is my actually, this person might actually just be gone. Yeah. And it is a life changer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that, you know, is my deepest fear is something happening to people I love. And um, yeah, and I become neurotic about it. I think that it, yeah it never ever stops I think motherhood is incredibly painful actually it is incredibly painful best and the hardest thing you'll ever do I reckon isn't it motherhood and it's the only job the better you do it the less you're needed and that's a bit of a bugger as well isn't it yeah although yeah. you're needed now aren't you because there's a grandbaby which yeah, I'm so a, very a, envious of well <laughs> you know it, it doesn't it doesn't come without it's that that its own hysterias and worries and obviously that kind of thing um and you don't um, want to drop the grandbaby that's no no, no. I do you know somebody that did that and uh, you know uh, ha, uh, ha, I mean hairline fracture stuff you know tripped over the cat <laughs> um anyway um, of course it was the cat a granny's gonna have to trip over the cat isn't it there's not you know not gonna trip <laughs> over mean, their I young mean, lover felt so so sorry for her anyway oh, um is the baby I, all right we should just clear that up before yes, there are yes, listeners panicking. Fine now. Okay, massive great checking. bruiser of a four-year-old now okay um but uh, yeah, I I adore Arlo. I love him to pieces. I love him unconditionally, and you know whatever whatever he is, whatever he does, whatever shape, size, I just I just want him to know that I'm on his side. Basically, I was a bit worried about a boy because I've I've only had one one yeah, daughter, and I'm very yes. female orientated. You know, my work is female based, and I, my audiences tend to be very female heavy. And but I think particularly for 
the relationship I have with my daughter, which is incredibly close. I think if she'd had another daughter, that child would have been under terrible pressure. Mm. Um, And I think that having this little boy just kind of breaks that pressure a bit. Nobody will expect him to look like us, be like us. Because you do look very similar, you and your daughter. She's total mini me, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah. or else I'm a massive her. (laughs) I think that, (laughs) you know, yeah, there's a a lot of similar wavelength stuff. She's She's a much cleverer version of me. And I think she's... She's actually, um, she's incredibly charismatic. She's she's actually really, really wonderful. I absolutely adore her. Um, and, and part of wanting to be a good grandmother is to sort of make it up to her for being quite neglectful to her as a small child. <clears throat> How were you was, neglectful to her? Because well, you were working. Working. I was working. I didn't really like the early stages of babies and stuff. I found it very boring. I found Arlo much more interesting than Phoebe was. Um, I've Maybe got don't more open time with that him. next time you see her. <laughs> <laughs> I think she knows. Um, and I think that it's a bit of payback time, actually, now. I think that I owe her. What a lovely thing. Is it... Um. I did think with boys, there is one massive advantage with the baby boys. It's a lot easier doing the nappy with the willy. And there's no crevices to worry about with the poo. Didn't you find nappy changing a lot easier with a willy? Um, well, I just find the sight of them quite sort of odd, really. because well, they stay know, odd, the don't they? They start odd, yeah, they stay yeah, odd. They, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, I, mean, I, just, I just sort of get on with it. You know, it's... It's just a job in the end, isn't it, uh, babies? You just sort of, it's just something you do. You just sling him on a mat and wrestle them down. He's 10 months now, so, you know, he's rolling and wriggling and crawling off. It's a so. quite relentless job, I can imagine. So you have him one day a week, don't you? Yeah, you do one day yeah. a week of nanning. And how is that? Because that must be, you forget, I think, quite how, my, my kids have got a little brother who's now nine, so there's a 16-year age gap. He's yeah. not mine, he's their, their dad's. And I do remember the full onness of having him. You'd yeah. be like, oh, it's so cute. And then after about two hours, you're like, Jesus. Yeah, when can you I go home a cup now? Of tea. Can you just get yeah. back on a bus or something? Yes. What do you mean? I have strap. What it is really, it's the equipment, isn't it? It's the kit, yes. the baby shit kit, you know. And you just, I just swear a lot. I swear at his pram, I swear at his yeah. car seat. Um, it's, uh, I don't have a fully functioning left hand, long story. Um, cartwheel went wrong, operation on my neck. And so this hand is left Can't hand. Can't we is went very... wrong operation on my neck? And you've said you've got ponies in a drawer. I feel the sound bites for this episode. You're just writing them. So <laughs> you, you've got, you have to come back to this cartwheel in your hand. Um, well, anyway, I, I, what with the most buggies these days, you have to press two buttons at once. Well, I this hand will not press a button. It has mm. not got the strength. I do not know how disabled people or even moderately disabled people manage. And people do. People have babies in the most extraordinary circumstances. But... You know, I, I I do think that surely by now there's an easier way of designing buggies and car seats. Why can't we just have really strong magnets or so? I don't know. It just should be easier. Those car seats, I remember the um also the angle you have to yeah. hold them. So yeah. they're not only heavy and cumbersome, you've got to have them about yeah. six. It's like a full yeah. on. Yeah, it's a full on workshop. If I go to is. Wiggle and Rhyme, I mean, I, and I, you know, I lie. I say, I, you know, because of uh, looking after him, I, I can cancel my gym membership. I've never had a gym membership. It's an absolute lie. But you know, if I go to Wiggle and Rhyme, that is that is a workout. Yes, Wiggle and Rhyme. I don't think that they had um tumble tots, and they had something called taff, uh, taffle music, which was a music class which you hated because right. it's right. music. So Wiggle and Rhyme is the singing. Do you have so to? Who hated room? it? The, the, well, you would hate it, the music bit. Oh, I don't mind yeah. a bit of nursery sing-along. You, know, you just don't want to smug in a hall. Yeah, I can't just sit quietly and listen to someone else showing off. That's my worst nightmare. Yes, it should be us doing the showing off, yeah, shouldn't it? Yeah. That's the and, order and if of I the can't universe. do it, why am I interested in, in watching someone else do it? I think it's, it's like attitudes tennis. like that that make the world go round, Jenny. That's the sort yeah. of comic I fucking beauty. hate tennis. I hate <laughs> tennis. I hate golf. I hate any sport. I'm yeah. not interested in sport. Why is it so, why is it cluttering up my telly? I don't want it. Get it off. Namaste, motherfuckers. Namaste, motherfuckers. Is your um because you've been with Jeff, your husband, who has yes. got the same name as my dog. 
Well, Jeff. Yeah, I've got a Jeff dog <laughs> and you've got a Jeff husband. And when yeah. I shout Jeff, often men the age of your husband do come Look, running. Yeah, and they will. They think, oh, God, I'm in trouble again. What yeah, if you're at National Trust property and you shout for my yeah, dog, Jeff. you yeah. get most of the people there will, will join. Absolutely. Um, so yours is spelt differently. Mine's a J-E-F-F and the vintage of your husband, they're usually the G-E-O-F-Fs, aren't they? Well, he's a single F because he's a minimalist, so he knocked an F off. He didn't Did like he? it. Did he? He went all fussy. Oh, I see. Like you live in a black box with a Jeff yeah. with one too few Fs. Yeah. You yeah. are. And it's only this life. room that has sort of like nicky nacky news and everything else is pretty minimal. Is it? Well not you don't you don't strike me as someone who would no. live in a minimal I way. Know. Is I that know. is that because of love for the mighty Jeff that you've done yeah, that? Yeah I do you know it's a, a a compromise and actually for someone with a chaotic brain it is actually much nicer to live somewhere where I mean, if I was left to my own devices, you know, I, I'd be living in a caravan uh, with just newspaper piled to the ceilings and it could get quite, uh, you know, quite unhealthy. So I'm I'm quite glad that we live in quite a, a sort of, well, it's, it's slipped quite a lot when we first moved in here. It was very minimal. Is he but, quite an ordered sort of left brain He was, person, but he's, 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 he's regressed quite badly. Has well. he? Yeah, yeah. And he's just given up. He's, he's, well, no, he certainly, no, he certainly hasn't given up. But, you know, there's... Uh, anyway, let's we'll, we'll change the subject. Otherwise, I'll start bitching. Is that, well, I'm just fascinated by anyone who's been with their same partner for decades. And I honestly think that, that uh, the longest I've been with anyone is just over 10 years, my kid's dad. And I think that is probably the biggest achievement if you can find a person and stay that with you them. can stand that you can st- <laughs> but in all seriousness that you can be with for that long to have a life partner I think that's there are I bet do most of your friends have long-term relationships of that nature or are most of them more in out like me no uh, I think that uh, I, I don't know I don't have many friends most a lot of my friends are in very long-term relationships I don't think the marriage thing I didn't want to get married I can't stand the whole I hate weddings that's another thing I can't abide you did get married did get married because my financial advisor told me I had to and it was oh, all about romantic um, yeah 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 it was I mean it was really small really small wedding and I, you know we, we were back at home watching Love Island by 10 it was fine you know um is I, it um was it at a was it the registry office down there what's the one near you uh, there's the one in Camberwell That's yeah right, no it yeah. wasn't uh we actually did it in there's as a uh there's an art gallery the um South London Art Gallery and at the back at the back there's a little modern sort of garden studio space and we did it in there and with some just you know a bit of balloons and fairy lights and just you know very very and about 30 people in the sit down sort of you know it was fine it was fine it was before my mother went mental so I mean she was happy um it was yeah it was it was the right thing to do if you you know if you have to do those kind of things it was all right I remember Catelyn Moran writing in her um first book about uh, weddings and saying that you know she's obviously really happy with Pete but saying the one bit of advice she'd because she had the big white wedding and she said the one bit of advice she'd give to anyone is just have a blooming knees up above a pub and just enjoy it and don't ever try and do all of that stuff so no I couldn't I I genuinely genuinely despise them and I hate the whole I hate the whole um culture of it I absolutely loathe it I've never been married I've never been interested have you not no No, never never been interested no I'm not either I you know I'm quite angry that civil partnerships came out the year after we got married and we could just have done that because I'd have been much happier with that I mean I have a wedding ring but I I very rarely wear it yeah yeah well you never know who you might get chatting to when you're at wiggly rhymes or whatever it is you know some handsome handsome grandfather and did you I always um talking of uh, sort of age and and longer term commitments I only realized when I was doing a bit of research for this Jenny because I know it seems loose and free-flowing but I do do my research that when you did grumpy old women you were 46 yeah yeah. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I know, I know. Um, but it was my career was in the doldrums, you know, like careers do. They're sort of like crashing off the rails, and uh, there wasn't much work around. So it was the start of all those talking head programs, you know, when you just sit there and people fire questions at you, and you're just sort of slightly hilarious back. Um, and it's usually done in your own house and they bring hair and makeup. And it's, you know, it was one of those days my, my agent phoned up and said, do you want to pretend to be a grumpy old woman for 300 quid or whatever? I think it was 400. And I thought, oh, fucking hell, too right. Yeah. I'll be a grumpy old sex worker for 400 yeah, I, quid. I genuinely, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll do tightrope work, walking, yeah. whatever you want. It's 400 quid. Nice. Um, 
And the producer and I, um, the producer was Judith Holder, who I now do the podcast with. And we just, we hit it off. Um, and I think that, um, I think that Grumpy Old Women was better than Grumpy Old Men because Judith um, was a producer of Grumpy Old Women and she provided this background glue. There was a lot of stuff filmed in her house with her family to illustrate things that were being discussed. She just went that extra mile as she always does. And um, we we sort of, oh, well, we neither of us uh, uh, will agree on whose idea it was, but I think it was mine <laughs> to do the live show. And um, the live show, uh, because Grumpy Old Women was such a, a TV brand, I think it was one of those last generations of a TV brand that, uh, you know, became a talking point before all the uh, streaming services came along, you know, so there were more pop people watching the same thing. So um, Grumpy Old Women was, I'm putting a black cardigan on with navy dungarees, but I can't help it. Um, and um, it it's just one of those career shifts where you know that what you're doing is popular just by going to the supermarket and just the reaction from women because I was going to the supermarket who's in the supermarket mostly women my age or around you know and you just get a lot of comments and you just thought right we're on to something here there's a there's a an army of women who are thinking the same so we decided to do the live show and it was it's you know, it's always been preaching to the converted. <laughs> it wasn't trying to change anybody's minds. And you're basically just doing a big old show. And the grumpy shows were big. They weren't like stand-up. Nobody who hasn't seen one can understand what they were like. There were three and a half weeks in rehearsal. There were props and sets and costume changes. And what sort of and venues? They were big venues. Well, um, sort of theatre venues. They were sort of number one uh, theatre yeah. tours, you know, so there would be a big theatre in your local town. Yeah. Um, I mean, some yeah, the set, it had to be big enough to get the set on. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a massive, it wasn't like strictly on tour. It wasn't mass, it wasn't um, arena stuff, but it was, I think we did from 500 to 2000. I think that's the absolute sweet spot for doing the sort of things yeah. that we do because there's yeah. still some intimacy and connection yeah. and I'm sure it's lovely to know you do arenas and stadiums but it becomes a completely no. different no, it's job it's not the same you might as well just record something and put it on a screen yes so yeah they were they and the, we we traveled around with those you know we, it was translated into Icelandic we did it in Australia um we had a we had a good old time we had a we had a good run we did four um different shows in the end but Everything has its moment and has its time and the economic climate changed. And all of a sudden you can't go on stage and moan about stuff when uh, start, not like not now when we're in the middle of an economic crisis. And it's just it's it, there's there's been a cultural shift. And at, at this point you have to go, this is now out of step with, you know, what people need. And they were terribly expensive to put on. So the. The prices, the theatre ticket prices were quite high. And I just, I, I think very much it just, it was it was very much of its time. I think it's one of the things that I, and, and I should say this, but with the listeners listening, that you're definitely one of the sort of inspirations for somebody who's nearly 10 years younger, watching you doing what you were doing when you were doing it. And it, that it, it was a whole different time for somebody to be doing what you were doing and how you did it. And one of the things that I most admire, and I know it may not feel like this to you from the inside because it rarely does, but it's so hard to keep reinventing and being proactive and going, right, this is my next project. This is what I'm going to do. This is relevant. And you have just powered through that. So the doldrums you must have gone through, you seem to have just gone on bloody well getting back out of this doldrum with a book, with a tour, with a podcast. And that is phenomenal that you've done it and done it also beautifully as well well yes but I, it does become increasingly hard you know I, I think this year I, I sort of it was has been a bit of a watershed moment for me in terms of sort of finding it much harder because um, I lost my mother at the beginning of the year and I genuinely didn't think that that would have any effect on me whatsoever and it it the it totally pulled a rug from underneath me and I, I have felt rudderless and very confused about a lot of things uh, for a number of months and I'd started a book that I knew I was lying to myself that it was going anywhere and it wasn't and I was just sort of wasting time on it and that's the first time I've had to 
put a book to one side and shelve it completely. Uh, but I, I just didn't have the headspace for it. I just wasn't ready to commit to anything like that. My mind, uh, you know, was too all over the place. So th- that's I've had some real massive disappointments this year when, you know, things that projects I thought I would be able to pull off, I haven't managed. And I think I am quite uh, it, it. It is quite tiring. You're absolutely right. Having to reinvent ne- never having a job is quite tiring, you know, especially when you're 63 and you just think, OK, so right. We're back on the road. We're back in the room above the pub. We're doing the tryouts. We're doing this. We've got to we've got to restart. Otherwise, and it's a very whimsical, fickle industry as well. It's not just like being a freelancer in another world. This is an incredibly fickle world and you don't always get the reward for your endeavours. It's so in no. the lap of the gods, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're, and, and the things, so the things you haven't, because it looks, again, from the outside in, you know, the fact that you're doing the tour that you've got, um, that, which is older and wider, and we'll put links to that in the in the um, in the notes. But also that you've just done Taskmaster, the absolute pinnacle of what anyone yeah, would want to be doing. Yeah, that is a pinnacle. That is a, yeah. that has been an absolute highlight of my TV career. So this is a bad year, and you've done it. You're doing a tour and Taskmaster. So I'd just like to point to, out. To, well, I've done older and wider podcast is just Leicester Square matinee shows only. Uh, there are only four of those, and if they really work, we'll take them to other cities. And then older uh, the sixty fuck's sake uh tour is just national from um september to no- end of november so um, just natural just a just a national tour of a solo well, show just say- a podcast live just taskmaster yeah it sounds shit jenny i think you need to get your um, foot back on the gas oh uh, well it sometimes it feels like that but you know podcast uh, uh taskmaster was filmed you know some of it was filmed a year ago um and it was it was as joyful as people want it to be it is um what makes it so joyful on the inside I can sort of imagine but I haven't been on the inside so what is it I think well it took me 15 series and of course you know my management make it so you can imagine some of the pleading (laughs) emails that went to my manager when another raft of celebrity comics were announced and my name wasn't on it again I'd get increasingly rude emails fired off, you know, dear blah, blah. It seems (laughs) that yet again. um, And uh, no, it's because they have the most extraordinary team working on it um, of people who are really madly into the show. And, you know, they're, they're really focused on everybody having a nice time and being really kind it's basically about being allowed to be stupid without feeling humiliated yes and that does come across very much when you watch it doesn't it yeah it's lovely I saw your tweet your tweet about it saying it was one of the best tv experiences of your life yeah um yeah which is a yeah and your daughter being very proud yeah she loved it I mean you know um my family are you know a daughter apart uh, and, you know, partners sort of, you know, quite interested, but the rest of them, you know, like my brother and sister, they they haven't watched it. You know, they're not that, they don't watch, they don't watch it. So they don't watch it. Um, but so it is really nice to have someone that whose opinion you, you actually do give credit to um, really, really loving it. And, that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it was lovely. And all those years when you thought you were neglecting her, you wouldn't be doing these things now if you hadn't had a career back then. And she had, well, and she also had. A, you had Phoebe as Jeff's daughter, yes. So that, yeah, daughter, yeah, so yeah, yeah, she presumably had her dad around when you were slogging yeah. your guts and out. I do think that um, they had a very, very strong relationship through her teens, which is <clears throat> often when girls just don't even speak to their fathers. Yeah, she was it forced is. to because I was away quite a lot, so he'd be giving her lifts to places. You know, uh, traditionally, it's often mums that get ho- foisted onto that sort of thing. And uh, she'd be stuck in the car with her dad. So she had to talk to him. Yeah, I, I felt this. I was working all hours when my kids were little. And even though we separated, their dad was always very much in their life. And I yeah. definitely think that's a real huge bonus for a kid. And, and to break through that idea that it would just be the mum they're close to. And to is make your sure boy still working parents. at the zoo? He is. He's down at Paynton Zoo. Yeah, he is primate keeping down at Paynton Zoo. Brilliant. I know it is amazing. He'll always, um, it's always funny when he calls me to have a bit of a moan about something. And in the midst of me trying to obviously focus on my child, having a bit of a moan, I'll be like, oh, bugger. I'll be like, what? I'll be like, oh, the bloody rhinos tipped over the manure wheelbarrow again, or the armadillo won't eat its 
tofu or whatever and oh, I just <laughs> and what's your girl up to she lives in Madrid and she's wow. just finished um she did a master's last year she did um she studied feminist literature machismo violence in feminist literature which she said at a certain point she was like it's quite depressing I was like yeah I no, bet. It, yeah it'd yeah. be quite depressing and she now works over there in sort of marketing for a sort of tech company I don't think she'll do it forever but she's got a job out there boyfriend lovely place Gosh. to live and I think she's saving up to then travel on around Central America I think it's her next plan she she's a, a languages girl like her daddy so she's very oh, into she's... living and speaking the languages and stuff so yeah but I I do find the um when I was saying I was envious of you having a grandchild that the kind of empty nest of not having a child nearby because mine have both flown far mm-hmm. it's a massive sort of I don't know I don't think I'm ever gonna get over it so I I just don't like I've never well, you've got on... Jeff you've got I've your got own Jeff. Jeff I've got my own Jeff who without whom I would my life would be immeasurably worse but I do think I've never lived on my own my entire life until now. This is the first yeah. time I've lived alone. I, I'm grateful that I live close to Phoebe and I can, you know, it's a 20 minute drive and I can get there and I can help and, you know, and I can get there on a bus if, if needs be. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's. Um, we need no, to see them, the children. I'm, I, I Like I've realised one of the, I've got to go over to Madrid and see Ella soon because I've not seen her for about six weeks and we're not going to otherwise see each other till August. That's just too long to be yeah, without my daughter. I understand that. I have There's to a craving. There's her. a physical craving. Yeah. And I feel the same about Arlo. If it's more than three days, I feel sort of a bit het up about it. And you need to physically hold them again yeah. and be just with them. Just go round. Even if I just pop round for 20 minutes or something, it's, um, I, 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 you know, I need to get my hands on him. Do you find that, um, I know you say, and I love the fact that you say it, because I think it is very true that we're not invisible at our age. We are ignored. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a very interesting and important distinction but do you sometimes feel I don't so much feel invisible or even ignored apart from I sometimes find it harder on the inside to know who I am I sometimes think am I still relevant like what is my voice those sort of more existential invisible doubts that I have in my own head it's how relevant you are that yes do you uh, feel that sometimes oh yeah yeah and but I think also, you just have to breathe out sometimes about these. I mean, I'm saying this. I don't feel this. I'm just trotting this shit out. Yeah, and no, I keep trotting. We love this shit. It, it's, it's, you know, you, it's what you know you're meant to feel, which is the realisation that you cannot be at the epicentre of what is fashionable forever. But it is quite galling. It is difficult to let go it's suddenly you and, and what's happened to me of course I was very fortunate I mean in some ways it was hard because there weren't very many women around and you didn't see very many women uh on the same bill I mean there were I think people underestimate how many women there were there were more than people think but we were never very we we never crossed paths that often because you know there was only there was never more than one woman on a bill even now, it's a bit like that, that you very, I very rarely get put on a bill with a woman my, anything like my age. Yeah. They obviously think, oh, we've got Callie. We won't have another yeah. one in their yeah. 40s They might or both 50s. do some material on the same thing. Exactly. And, and of course, you never would have two men the same age no, on a bill ever, they, would you? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely prohibited. You know, can you imagine yeah. if they ever said it strayed onto each other's path? Yeah, exactly. God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, so there was quite a lot of, of sort of screaming for attention and, and sort of begging to be noticed. There was also a lot of Oxbridge uh, stranglehold on everything. You know, they seemed to get all the telly work. I, I felt like I, I kept missing the boat for quite a long time. I was very jealous. Uh, and then I won the Perrier in 95 when I was 35, which was probably the the right age to do it. And were the first woman to do so. Yeah. So, you know, that was that has been very useful because no one can take that away from me. Uh, but as time goes on, you, you just realize now that you are not the only blonde on on the block you certainly aren't in your 30s you're in your 60s and television particularly does prefer younger women um you know i, I th- there are opportunities and and there hopefully will be more i love doing i did a show uh for two years uh one uh in 2020, 2021 2022 um called draws off with yeah the channel life 4. drawing it was yes. life drawing it was beat on channel four i was absolutely in my element with that but that was a um, gorgeous show it was a gorgeous show but the second series they put one of those channel four voiceovers on it and kind of just mangled it it just was very you know upsetting. you're fucked once that starts happening yeah yeah you? when they do one of those cheery chappy fucking you know and i tried to 
explain to them that an art studio is a very um it's a safe place for for people you know some people have to go to a church a lot of people need to go to somewhere where they can be creative um and what the last thing you want is you know a bloke's voice chiming in as if there's a some stranger peeping through the window making stupid comments and um you know and the series was canned and that, I will always be a bit cross about the direction they decided to go in on that second series because I thought it was wrong um, and I thought it was a lovely show and I I miss that. I miss that because I I really loved being in a room with people where they were very happy. And that, that heart and soul of there are some shows and some things that are just pure good, aren't they? And you just there's, yeah. no, there's no downside to that as the show, yeah. is there? Yeah. But there we go. But I do think that it's hard to one of the things we don't do is celebrate the wins, do we? We always notice the things we're not doing and the things we missed or the things that are hard. And we don't notice when you think back to what you are doing now. And that is pretty unique, really. Well, it is unique. I don't think there's anyone else doing the things you're doing in the way you're doing them. There isn't. Well, some people don't have to. <laughs> well, but um, would you want to not have to? Like, if, if someone said to you right now, right, you, you're sorted I'd out. I'd actually never a... have to work again. No, yeah, I, what that, would you I wouldn't do? be happy doing that either. I, I don't think. I mean, I think I could do it for a month, and I'd, I'd probably, you know, get a, a kiln or yes. something, and 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 have a go at some pottery and all this sort. Of, I'd, I do. I'd, I'd have the most well-equipped art supplies in the world. Yes. Um, but, but you wouldn't no. be sitting idle going, oh, I've got enough money now. I'll just sit on my ass and watch the telly. No, I, no, I wouldn't do that. And I think even, even you know, creating very bad things in my beautifully stocked studio after about a couple of months, I'd go, this is just shit. I've got to get back to doing what I do best. We'd probably um, end up living the life we live now pretty much, only without the fear that if it all goes tits yeah, up, we can't afford yeah. to live. I reckon we probably would, just... would be quite nice. But It's nice um, to have the buffer zone. What does Jeff do or what did he do? Well, does he's he uh, 74. So he when I first met him, he was the art director of the TV Times and he had all the trappings of an 80s... Oh, now there's rather, a job. That would have been... Yeah, oh, we'd yeah. have all found that an allure successful yuppie. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, you know, had a Georgian flat down the nicest road in oh. Camberwell, had a, a, a an antique vintage Porsche, uh, had luncheon vouchers, most to the point. You cleaned up, really. I think we were I'm all looking good. for a Jeff back then. I, we just didn't all know where to find one. I tell you, when you're very young and you've tapped off with an older man, he's got all these things. You think, hey, and he can drive on the right side of the road when you're abroad. He knows what he's doing. Yes. Knows um, his way around a choke on a vintage vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. And at the time, he was thin enough to get under the vintage vehicle. Now he wouldn't be able to, he'd have to jack it up quite high. Um, so he was at the TV Times until he was about 52. And then he was made redundant because uh, it was bought by an American company. They didn't want anybody over 50 in it. So he got a payoff. And uh, instead of wisely investing the money, um, he bought this little house Um and decided to demolish it and build a new house on top of it. So basically spent quite a lot of money and then um, just the next, in a couple of weeks later, it was just a hole in the ground. So that's quite frightening. Um, but so we built this house. I mean, he used an architect, but he did the, you know, all the inside design and everything. He sounds uh, like the absolute perfect person from all of that to building a house. I feel there are... There are beating hearts all over the country wishing there were more Jeffs. <laughs> I had to um, get a dog version because there weren't any. They yeah, sold out of human left. He's also got acute sinusitis and, you know, makes noises like a warthog. But... And he probably farts sometimes, but I think that's all Not okay. as much as me. Not okay. as much as Well, that's me. good. No, it's I'm... good to know you've still got the patriarchy isn't going to outdo us in every way. Absolutely not. No, I'm chief trumper in our house. But, Excellent. Um, he now has a business called 20th Century Prince which everyone can go online and look at and he sells uh mid-century modern prints brilliant do you know yes. that do you know mini moderns do you happen to know the brand mini moderns yeah just based well they my mates uh, mark and keith and they're just down the road from you and they're also very much mid-century as you know yeah yeah we, he papers. does he has a stand at um 
mid-century modern at Dulwich College and well know, if you send us the link we'll put a little link we'll put a link to Jeff in as well in the well, show that notes. would be useful that we will absolutely good. do that. yeah uh, you know because uh, the thing is he, he his stuff ranges from posters uh, original posters uh to you know he's there's a there's a couple of you know big names like Hockney and stuff like that um yeah they're quite big names aren't they Hockney? yeah they're not yeah. signed though they're just they're limited edition prints Still. Um, things like that yeah yeah Oh, amazing. Well, we'll definitely put a link to Jeff. And I have to ask you one much more vacuous question before I ask right. you the questions you're not going to answer because yeah. you told me you won't. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, I'm a celebrity. I just have to, that is my idea of an app. I don't think there's any money in the world that would make me do that. There is. I, I got think... I got 40 grand, I think, which at the time was enough. Yes. Uh, but then when I got there, I realised that people were on double and triple that. Yeah, that's a bit of an arse, isn't they? Printed, yeah. They did it this year, didn't they, when Sean Walsh was in and, they, and Hancock was in and they published what everyone was getting. Yeah. But it's just, not favoured nations. It's it's all very different. It is, yeah. yeah. I think I think even panel shows and stuff. There's a bit more of a difference than people are willing to say. But definitely on that one, I yeah. there, that is absolutely the case. But the but the experience of it, and I know you did you did well. But is it you you must be you know you're quite resilient, really, aren't you? Because that is not a, that is not an easy show to do. That's not an easy show to do, to do. And actually, when I came out, I think I had about two hours of sanity left in me. I really? think any longer and I would have very visibly cracked up. Really? It was the pressure was really, really starting to get to me. I came third. Yeah, which, which is amazing. And you had and Stacey Solomon and Sean Ryder. Sean Ryder. Right? Yeah, so, so you, you were, you were up again. That was a yeah, yeah, hell yeah. of a... Yeah. It was very obvious. That Another Stacey's year you'd win. have won that one, Jenny, I think. Uh, I might have come second, I don't know. But um, it was... Uh, my father was an army officer and he was a major. And there's I've got a big streak of him in me. Uh, and and that streak is basically a, a kind of get on with it streak. Well, I absolutely, I mean, on every level, I cannot imagine how you did that. Even just being away from kids and things you know, and and let alone all the bugs and the horror, horrors. Well, Phoebe's doing, um, I think she was, she was at Oxford, doing, possibly doing her, not her finals. I don't think it was her final year. So I, I think it was quite a safe time for me to go. I love the fact that she's in Oxford doing some erudite and you're there shitting out cockroach carcasses. <laughs> the circle of life. Yeah, she didn't have a telly. I knew I was kind of safe, and nobody she knew had a telly. I was watching it, so you know it wasn't it wasn't going to upset her particularly. She wasn't fourteen at, at school, and you know it could have been quite damaging. It wasn't like that. So and you got your forty grand. Well, yeah, I'd, yeah again, I it's a huge respect. But 40 grand and then a panto. Then I did loose women for a year, but then I got sacked. Yeah, but a year on loose, can I ta- I'd take a, just a show on loose women. There are these, the, you've done all these things that when yeah. I grow up, Jenny, I want to be able to do. <laughs> you've now, got nine years, plenty of time. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I shall make sure that I revisit this, you, my fairy godmother, and see if you manifested any of this for me. Namaste, motherfuckers. So the question you are, are not going to answer, yeah. what would you pick as your namaste motherfucking life-changing moment? Uh, well, I said to you, you know, at the start, when we recorded it, I don't know whether on air, I, um, I don't really have one. I don't have, all I have is experience. So all I know is, is sort of the shortcuts of how to do what I do, which is basically get there in plenty of time. Um, that's one of the, you know, I am very punctual. I absolutely loathe and uh, abhor lateness. I'm always... I saw that you were bang on time for the podcast and not yeah, all our guests are, Jenny. I, I, I was I one find, minute late. You might have almost hung up if it had been two minutes. I find I find like lateness really rude. It's I think quite it's disrespectful, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's really yeah. important to be yeah. on time. Uh, and, and just from years and years of doing stuff, that is kind of one of the most important things I know. Just be there on time, do the job. So you've given us the life advice, which is the last question. You've carefully, oh, like a poly- yeah, is the last question. You, I'm going to still ask it to you in case you've got something different. But so your life, so your life changing moment. You're you all self taught. Nothing. No, there's never. I've never had a mentor or anybody that I can really look back on and think, oh, they changed my life. You know, I didn't have that English teacher who took me to one side and said, you know, you do have, you do have a really 
good imagination and you know your spelling and punctuation is terrible but that doesn't really matter you know if you let your imagination flow you might that something might happen here I didn't have any of that I went to one of those really quite crap girls grammar schools that were just very hard on on the rules yes and um found me quite boring did you learn to touch type they made oh, no, me it touch wasn't, type no, at my no, school no, no. yeah it wasn't mine was just the local state school but yes the the girls learned to touch type I told someone that this morning they didn't believe me they were like no you didn't I was like no I really did no I well, find I'm, that even I I actually find that quite peculiar yeah they told me they told me I shouldn't do my my English O level because I wasn't good at English and actually I was good at English but I was not I was rebellious and the yeah. English teacher mistook that for not good at English I went on yeah. to do an English degree um and that I should do typing instead so the careers officer said go and do typing and then you'll be able to be a secretary I'm going to give you a life-changing moment one of mine was watching you doing grumpy old women because no I'd never seen that women that age talking in that way and it was a complete revelation to me that that would be a thing. So you were part of one of my life-changing moments. Oh, well, that's nice. Even though well, you've I not got one of your own. So I'm going to share that with you. You were there. You didn't know it was life-changing. It was think, for me. I suppose for me, you know, it was very hard to see people on television doing what I wanted to do back in the sort of 70s and 80s. I mean, uh, the first person was Victoria Wood. And I remember watching her with absolute horror, thinking she's done it. She's done what... I thought I would be doing, but now there's one woman doing it. Will there, will any more be allowed? Yeah, the seat's taken. The yeah. seat is taken. And I think that that is the, what has changed for the better um, with the younger female comics is that instead of sort of being panicky and sort of almost nudging the door closed after you've got your gig, um, I think your generation and, and younger are very good at holding the door open. Definitely. I love seeing, I and whenever I do all-female nights, which I do a lot, I never mention it's an all-female night because you don't mention when it's an all-male night. You don't need to say that, do you? It's just a night. It's a comedy yeah. night. And you just want the good comics on there. So, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, and is you're going to say you're not going to give me this either. Your favourite joke. doesn't have to be one of yours if you don't want to share yours, but I do oh, no, uh, Well, uh, No, no, no. I, I, they change all the time. I mean, my favourite joke will often be, uh, the last funny thing I said on stage that I didn't know I was going to, that was going to come out. And often they're not that good. They don't bear repeating, but it's just worked in the moment because mm -hmm. something happened or whatever. And um, I'm now at a, a stage where I've written a lot of stand-up shows, a lot. And so doing the Older and Wider live podcast, which is not scripted, is uh, quite a, a departure for me, and I'm really I'm really enjoying it because we have bullet points. We we know the the structure of it, but the content is a movable feast. And I think I only now at my age have got the confidence to do that because I've always been very heavily scripted. I'm a performer, not a stand-up really I'm not a natural stand-up I'm not a banter merchant I don't you know gags don't come that easily but they are the improvisation skills were very slow for me to come and they have finally started to come and I think that's because I trust the audience to listen enough and give me the benefit of the doubt because you know they they tend to be on side and that's that is the relief of being this age in this business is that I don't have to um, put my wares out to people that genuinely are not going to be interested. You know, I know that if I if I did genuinely have to go back to the club circuit, it would be a struggle for me because I'd be offering material that would have absolutely no Venn diagram crossover with my audience. You know, because you might be, be surprised though. I do a lot of young rooms, and you might really? be surprised how much. Yeah, a lot of the. I mean, I do all the clubs that you do on the circuit, and most of them are very young in London, mostly under thirty. The audience. Yeah, the audiences are young. But I think audiences are better now as well. I yeah. think they're just much more respectful. And I don't think there's that heavy drinking, heavy heckling culture. No, it's much that, well, that age group, much more sensible than we were. Jesus, yeah, aren't they? Totally, they're, they're, doing totally. the th they're not doing the things that we did. We put in a good account of ourselves, didn't we? And now they're like, we don't need to be promiscuous and drunk yeah. and off our tits all the time. Yeah. We're like, oh, you could try a bit. Um, so a joke, are you going to give me a joke? Um, uh, just, I think my favourite joke that I'm, I've re- um, I sort of got out of the mothballs is about my mother because she died recently. And I, do, I did this one on stage last night about buying my mother an iPad when she became a widow um, as she was in her very late 80s. And, uh, you know, how difficult it was for June to 
get on with, get on board with this technology and uh, how uh, living 250 miles away, I'd have to give her these iPad lessons over the phone and they'd always start like this. There'd be me going, okay, have you switched it on? My mother, yes, me. What can you see? My mother, a naked man, me. A naked man, what's he doing? She goes, he's got a vegetable up his bottom. I said, well, he's got a vegetable up his bottom. What did you put in the Google search engine? She goes, interesting things to do with aubergines. And that is absolutely true. That is a, a true, true, true. Well, I don't know whether it is actually. Sometimes I make <laughs> stuff up. But uh, whenever I think about that joke, and I did it some years ago and, and dropped it because, it, you know, I've done it. And then I've, I've sort of regurgitated it because it me, it makes me feel close to my mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad your mum was called June. What a name. And your dad was called Derek. June and yeah, Derek. June Derek. What names at their time. Yeah. 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 Well, thank she was you. Born gonna... in May, it was a ridiculous name. She always said, "What the fuck was that?" Well, she didn't say "fuck." <laughs> what the well, bloody that... hell? Well, I'm called. My middle name is Patricia because I was born on St Patrick's Day, so I'd sooner oh. not be given a relevant name. That's not a great middle name, is it, Patricia? Um, and mm. you, it's not good. There's nothing <laughs> good to be. There's, there's worse. There's worse. That's all I can say. I used to say when I was an underage barmaid, and I made up. I don't know why. One of the old duffers at the regulars. He said, "What's your name?" And I called myself Patsy Beak for some reason. I said it's Patsy Beak, and then I became Patsy Beak for the summer. I don't know why. Patsy's good. Patsy, Patsy is so much better than Patricia. And Patsy Beak, I think, is a good name, a strong yeah, name. It I'd is. have had a whole different life with Patsy Beak. And if you were to give one bit of life advice, Jenny, to anybody listening. Wear a watch. That was Jenny Eclair. And we've put a link, as we always do, to her live shows, to her website, as well as to her husband Jeff's fabulous mid-century wares. And also a link, don't forget, to this podcast's live recording at the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival in November. So yeah, check that all out in the show notes. And that is it for this week. Thank you so, so much for listening. Please do remember to keep rating, reviewing, recommending us, giving us tons of lovely, shiny stars. And we will be back in your feed next Thursday, as always, when I will be talking to finalist from Channel 4's The Piano, Danny Wilshire. So I started to play the public pianos in Manchester as a way to get back in touch with music because I didn't have a piano. I've never had a piano growing up. Namaste, Motherfuckers was written and presented by me, Callie Beaton, and produced by Mike Hansen and Karusha Dami for Pod People Productions, with music by Jake Yap. I'm Callie Beaton. Until next time. Motherfuckers. Namaste, motherfuckers. Pod people. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.